Hi there, and welcome to Grief is My Superpower. I'm Mark Lemon, award-winning children's author, bereavement ambassador, and your host for this podcast. Each week, I'll be interviewing incredible people that get open and honest about their own experience with grief. When I was 12 years old, my dad was murdered, and my life changed forever. I try to explore with my guests if it's possible to live a happy and fulfilled life after the death of a loved one. You can find me as Mark Lemon Official on Instagram and at the Lemon Drop Books website. For this episode, I speak with grief and trauma psychologist, Dr. Chloe Mitchell. Dr. Chloe speaks to me about the ways in which we can navigate our grief through this global pandemic. You can find Dr. Chloe on Instagram and Twitter as Dr. Chloe Mitchell. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. By doing this, it will help us to reach more people in need of support at a tough time. This podcast is in support of children's bereavement charity, Winston's Wish. Okay, so today my guest is someone that I discovered through a podcast that she did with Professor Green. And since then, we have become friends and... I'd love following her on social media because she's very insightful and I thought for the time that we're in it was perfect to get her on the podcast and it's Dr. Chloe Mitchell. How are you? Hi Mark. Hi, I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege. I'm so pleased. I think your podcast is amazing. So absolute delight that I can make a little contribution to it today. For the listeners, do you want to just give yourself a bit of an introduction as to who you are and, and what you do, please? Yeah, of course. Wonderful. Well, I'm a I'm a, a counselling psychologist and I have been working in the field of grief and trauma for more than 20 years. Um, I started off a long time ago uh, working in the media industry um, as a psychologist. And the more I worked in that field, the more I realised that amazing people, very resilient people were being knocked off, really unexpectedly by life events that were beyond their control, either because a tragedy strikes personally or they find themselves in a hostile environment trying to be professional and, you know, get the next story out. And that kind of aligned with my own experience of having encountered loss and um, trauma. And it inspired me. It really inspired me. So off I went and did clinical training. And I, I do a lot of work now on helping people understand what grief is and how it affects us fully. It doesn't just affect us mentally or emotionally, it affects us physically and it affects us spiritually. And I work with people from all over the world, really. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at the technology and the connections that that can create. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I do quite a lot of webinars on grief. I do quite a lot of lectures. I do go into quite a lot of companies and talk to them about how to support bereaved people uh, returning to work because often we, we want to say the right thing. We want to um, be supportive, but we feel awkward or we feel afraid or we feel concerned that we might might say the wrong thing. So I'm really passionate about it, uh, as you know, and I do a lot of social media posts on it and blogs and stuff like that. I think it's quite interesting how, you know, I guess we won't, well, I wasn't really going to ask you about it, but in terms of your own experience with grief and you know, I've spoken to somebody else, Anna Martha, on the podcast regarding yeah. she's a psychotherapist and, and how, I guess, in a strange way through her circumstance and her own trauma at a young age, it's kind mm. of moved her into what she does now. 
would you be happy to share your own experience with grief? Like everybody, I've lost people that I care about. Um, I think my initial experience with grief is probably a bit unusual and probably a bit odd because my first encounter with an unexpected, very traumatic loss didn't happen to me, didn't happen to somebody that was immediately connected to me, but happened to a dear friend um, who lost her sister in very, very difficult circumstances. And I was uh, 15, nearly 16 at the time and had lived in a bubble of kind of privilege, I guess, middle, middle class comfort in a place where nothing bad seemed to happen. And it was such an existential rupture for me. Um, I suddenly realised that the world is not a safe place, that bad things do happen to people I love. Um, and um, I didn't really know how to respond. I know that might sound a bit weird, but the way in which it was handled was that that, that was somebody else's grief. And in many ways, I get that, and I didn't want to appropriate my friend's grief, but the shock of seeing what that did and how that that had a ripple effect to our community, to our friendships, to me personally. I did. I do think it's, it's created... I'm looking for the right words, it, it created a, a wake-up call, really, about what it means to be, what it means to care, what it means to keep going. And the the feelings I had were quite, quite serious. So I did, I did have a physical reaction to it. I felt sick. I felt a shortness of breath. I felt dizzy. I couldn't really concentrate at school. I stopped eating. Um, I kind of withdrew. And I think a lot of people put that down to just kind of teenage angst, but I knew it was it was a lot more than that. It was sadness at what had happened and shock at what had happened to a very important person in our community. And over the years, I've kind of put it all together, really. But you know, it took a long a long time, and I recognised the 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 traumatic side of it, if you see what I mean. And many years later, a very dear student of mine um, died unexpectedly, and again. I I've, I felt the same physical embodied kind of like the ground disappears from underneath your feet feeling and everything that I, I thought I knew I no longer knew, you know, and allowing myself to go through that, allowing myself to cry I'm much older, I was able to talk to really uh, good colleagues and really good friends and sort of process the grief together. That really helped. That really, really helped. Yeah, I hope mm-hmm. that answers your mm-hmm. question a little bit. Yeah, no, it does because, you know, as as I've spoken about on this podcast before, grief is such a wide variance and and yeah. and it touches people in so many different ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Whether it's a yeah. friend, a family member, um, a colleague, yeah, um, a pet, you know, um, well, absolutely. If, if yeah, if if you have a significant relationship with a pet, it might be the most unconditional connection you have, and when you lose that, it can be de- absolutely devastating. Absolute devastating, and 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 we can even grieve p- people that we don't know. I, I remember when Caroline Flack uh, passed away. The ripple effect that had, and how we've you know you lose you a bond with somebody you feel you connect to, somebody that seems familiar to you. So so grief is is very personal. That's what I'm always talking about. How much grief is impacted by your by your own circumstances, by what your what your own kind of what the landscape of your life is, who's there to support you, what your living conditions are, how connected you are with your own kind of internal emotional world, what mental health conditions you're already navigating, who you have to care for. It's inc- it's an incredibly personal journey, isn't it? 
Mm. Yeah, and it's really, I think it's important that we talked about the whole Caroline Flack thing because it's been quite a big year. You know, Kobe Bryant is obviously a huge international basketball star and and Caroline Flack and it and that ripple effect that when somebody dies, a bit like, say, Princess Diana or somebody like that, you know, global, it just sends shockwaves. And, and like you say, it sort of alters people's perspective and it's it can be their first experience with grief, mm. can't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think what I'm, I'm my concern, I guess, which is why I'm so passionate. And when I when I do all the webinars I do on, on understanding grief, supporting people in grief, I do it because I feel like as a society, we're getting we're realizing this, but we're not very good at it. And that's why I love your podcast is we're not really there for people when they're going through grief, we can be really good at being there for them in the beginning. And uh, we're good at sort of having rituals that allow the bereaved to feel supported. But you know, a few months down the line, a lot of people that I work with say, you know, it's not only the person I lost, it's also the friendships I lost. Because I think as a as a society, we've sanitized death quite a lot and we've kind of institutionalized it in a way and we don't really know how to not everybody obviously I don't want to generalize but my sense is that we're not very good at just allowing the bereaved to be bereaved and to give them time we're kind of obsessed with the stages of grief and we we sort of feel like eventually you know they're going to bounce back they're going to get back to normal of course that person's never going to get back to normal you can never be the person you were um, you you have to find a new way to be and completely new order of, of the world and how you're going to find your place in it, how you're going to locate yourself. Um, so I'm really I'm really passionate about creating spaces where we can talk about it, when people can non-judgmentally be heard and and accepted, and hopefully we're getting there. You know, there does seem to be more awareness, but I think there's a lot more that needs to be done. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's a good lead on to the next question, really, is, you know, there's been a lot of focus on mental health over the last couple of years, which is fantastic. And from my own experience, you know, if grief isn't supported at an early age, it can lead on to struggles with mental health later on in life. How do you think we can support someone after a bereavement? There's a lot I could say on this, but I, I was thinking in preparation for today's chat um, that what what is it we're actually talking about when you, when you drill down and you, you get to the sort of the basics, what people need where they are, when they are coping with grief is an empathic, compassionate space. And that can be a friend, it can be a family member, it can be a, a, a colleague, or it, it can be a, prof- a professional. But when we experience empathy and compassion, and we feel like we are allowed to be wherever we're at in our grief, and that our response isn't faulty, it's not being tracked, you know, we're not being measured against some sort of theory that we should be coping like this by now. When we have that, our space to be heard, to be witnessed, to be really just accepted and allowed to be where we're at, alleviates our suffering. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't feel the grief or we don't feel the rawness or, or the sadness. It just means we feel the comfort of being secure in, in our relationships with others who, who get it. And I think when we experience empathy, all the research that I've looked at, that does deactivate your fight or flight uh, system. I don't want to be too um, physiological about it, but there is a science behind kind of the healing process through grief. Your brain starts to regulate itself. So your your intense physical responses to grief will start to moderate and you will start to feel like you're getting some control, some sense of understanding of what's what's happening to you. And of course, if you feel loved, 
if you feel loved, which you do when you are empathically accepted and, and held, you can you can cope with anything. I know that sounds a bit of a cliche, but when you look at research of babies or children or young adults who have not experienced that 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 kind of pure love, that kind of unconditional love where you can be who you are, not what I want you to be, then they thrive. They can they can keep going. And um when I worked at the NHS, I worked in primary care, almost almost all of my referrals, almost all of them had experienced a traumatic loss at some point in their life that they really hadn't had the time or the opportunity to to kind of emotionally process it and release themselves from it so it had been you know it had been bottled up and it it it's sort of like you hold on to the toxicity of really painful emotions and it makes you ill it causes you either physical health or, or mental health so it's really important that we allow people to grieve and how we do that I think the simplest is just be empathic just check in with them see how they are where they are don't don't judge it don't fix it and don't impose optimism just be with it quite difficult to do I think if we feel fear but it's it's so important that we learn to overcome our fear around that with a bit of courage personal courage yeah no that's amazing points I, you know from experience and and also speaking to previous guests you know you do have that case of there were lots of people there for you when that person's died and then it goes quiet and actually one of my previous guests Sarah Condit said that her friend said to her which I thought was incredible I'm not going to be here for you right now, but later on, I'm going to be here. So in a couple of months' time, that's when you're going to need me. That's when I'm going to be here. And that, that, can, be, um, that can be the case, can't it, where you know, a lot of people, bereaved people sort of feel that wave of, uh, of support and then it just goes quiet. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I, I encounter that again and again and again. And I, I think there's a little bit of confusion out there. Very often when I do my, my uh, talks, you know, a lot of people will come up to me afterwards and say, I, lo- I lost my mum three years ago and I still, feel, uh, I, f- I still feel raw, I still have days of grief. Is that normal? Of course it is. Um, or, or, or people that feel like, you know, a year's gone by and they don't feel any better. Is that okay? So there's a, there's a lot of kind of grief is not a one and done thing. It takes... It keeps calling. It keeps coming up to the surface so that you can, the person who is bereaved can reattend, reconnect, reintegrate the person that they've lost back into their lives. And sometimes grief can feel worse over time. It, does, it Perhaps the physical side of it is less intense, but the sadness might be more expansive. You miss the person you've lost even more, especially when life is going well or when important life um, events happen, milestones are reached. Um, so just accepting that grief is forever unfolding and that our, our way of healing it is to actually check in with it and to allow ourselves to process it is really important. People talk about the seven acts of uh, grief recovery or the five stages of grief. And I think that's great. And if it helps people, that's wonderful. But what I'm noticing and what I'm learning through my years of working in this field is that grief is, is, is like we have to go, let's say, through the seven acts of recovery regularly um sometimes it might be on an important anniversary and sometimes it might be weeks on end who knows it's very very individual and i can say more about that if you'd like me to mark but i just wanted to sort of um you know second what you're saying that we need to be there for people in the long in the long term and when people say 
let's talk about it. It's important to talk about it, but we have to offer empathy. That's the skill, I guess, that um, we need to harness. Mm. And I think it's strange as well that um, the bereaved also eventually, some immediately, do find that they carry this empathy for people, for others. Uh, From 12 years old, you know, I experienced this and this new sort of uh, emotion and feeling towards others of, 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 of empathy. And it's such a powerful thing, isn't it? We're social beings, aren't we? So when we've experienced pain and suffering, I think we instantly, we're instantly activated. We instantly know when somebody else is going through something that we recognize in our own experience. And I think that's why therapy works. It's not because we have a magic wand and we can fix people's, you know, perceptions. It's, it's, we feel grounded and anchored in ourselves. We can locate ourselves and feel a bit of sort of psychological safety, if you like, when we are witnessed. When, when, when another human being can bear witness and can acknowledge what it's like for us to be us. That's why therapy works, I think. And yeah, I think people who suffered throughout history, human beings, I think, have shown that we have, we have the capacity to rise through trauma. If we, if we pay attention to what matters, if we pay attention to what allows us to feel meaningful and purposeful, and so often that's about having authentic projects, you know, and authentic loving relationships with people. And that's really, it, it sort of saves us, doesn't it? I think the wish of energy that comes from navigating a painful loss and what you can then contribute to the world to help others is a massive deal. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess moving on to the current state of the world that we're in and the coronavirus and how it sort of resurfaced a lot of feelings of grief and trauma for people. I guess we've already touched on it a little bit in terms of, you know, what we just spoke about. But, you know, what advice have you got for anyone struggling to navigate through this difficult time? Yeah, I think the, the really important thing is to be compassionate and self-caring. Um, sometimes that feels like the hardest thing, especially when we feel that the world's been unfair or that um, everything's stacked up against us or when we feel that this is never going to get better, nobody gets it. Um, and now with the lockdown, the isolation that people are feeling is incredibly difficult. Um, grieving through a time of crisis like this is, is even more complex. So to, to just be mindful that whatever you're feeling is valid and your, your job, if you like, what you can do to support yourself is first of all to tune in to where you're at, <clears throat> to understand the reasons for your suffering. So um, what I mean by that is if you avoid it, if you pretend that you're okay, you start to confuse yourself and kind of how you're, how you're coping and you start to sort of give room to negative feelings and to anxiety and depression. And if grief isn't processed properly, you can get major depression developing, which obviously we want to avoid. Um, so my advice is check in with yourself, take responsibility for what you're feeling and make time for it. So for me, uh, very often in times of kind of stress and anxiety and, and sadness, I'll get my journal out and I will spend 15, 20 minutes every day before anything else happens and I will write out where I'm at and what I'm feeling and I'll name it. You know, finding the right word for what we're feeling, whether it's anger or rage or despair or, or sadness or whatever it is, naming it is is releasing in some way and then just making time to to accept that it's okay that's where I'm at today and um making time for self-care now I know that in an ideal world 
we would be reaching out to friends and and having having that contact time and looking out for human touch and comfort and sadly we can't do that um at the moment so that's why I think self-care is even more important and if you if you can I know this sound a bit unusual but give yourself a hug it's okay and take time if you can connect digitally or on the phone do it and do it with people that you think will accept you that will get it that won't track your progress won't instruct you or manage you (laughs) just people that will just be there for you um because as a lot of people are saying we're in um, physical isolation but we don't need to be in psychological isolation and of course find a ritual I think having a ritual to honour your grief is quite important, whatever that is, whether it's talking to the person who's gone, whether it's it's writing to them, whether it's it's w- walking to their resting place, whether it's taking time to pray, to pray for prayer, you know, well, whatever, I suppose, just checking in, tuning in and allowing ourselves to release what we're feeling is really, it really heals. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. If there's a friend out there of someone that is experiencing loss at the moment and they're struggling to know how to support them and what to say, um, what advice have you got for them? Okay, um, I think just accepting that it's human connections are deepened when we're um, just there for each other and reaching out to them either with a text or with an email or with a phone call uh, or a Zoom call, whatever you feel is appropriate, just to reach out and say, I'm thinking of you. If there's anything I can do, I'm here. If you want to talk, just to reach out. When you do reach out to them, when you do talk, don't make demands on them. So be led by the person who's grieving and just accept where they are. If you can offer practical support, amazing. Cook them a meal and take it round there, leave it on the doorstep. If you can if you can offer them some kind of space where they can talk about what their grief is like, just just ask them, you know, where are you at? What's it like for you? They might not want to talk about it. That's okay. If we ask them, how are you feeling? That might be a bit too big a question. That might be a bit too raw. So be mindful of that. And also check in with them because they might be answering the phone. They might be having a day where they're trying to keep it together because they've got the children there and they're trying to get back to work or whatever. And they don't want to be triggered. They don't want to have to suddenly deal with the overwhelming kind of whoosh of grief emotion. So check in with them. If you'd like to talk, I'm here when would work for you, you know, that sort of thing. Just normalise what they're feeling because a lot of people feel very worried that they're doing grief wrong, that something's happening that's beyond their control, that they've, you know, they've lost the plot or they're cracking up or they, they're just not coping at all well. And the last thing a bereaved person needs is, is a sort of, you know, that inner critic. So if you can be a support that says, look, it's okay you're feeling like that, it's normal, that can really help. One of the webinars I do, I I am actually doing one, if it's okay to mention, Mark, on the 3rd of June, which is exactly, exactly about that. How do we support people who are in grief? It's it's quite, it's kind of, um, my intention in doing that is to just give people lots of space for just practical tips, practical suggestions, some understanding of what is what is grief and what do we mean by, you know, normal grief and is all grief the same and ask answering any questions. So hopefully that's useful to people. Yeah, no, I think there's some fantastic tips there and takeaways for a lot of people because, you know, it's a mixture of uh, listeners that we have on here and it will be those that have been touched by grief, but also those that have been touched by grief in terms of helping their friends and supporting their friends. So, yeah, they're fantastic. I just thought bringing it back to the present, what three things are you most grateful for at the moment? Oh, what an amazing question. Yeah, thank you for 
inviting me to reflect on that. I am grateful for, yeah, I'm taking time to think about it. I'm really grateful for the family I have. Um, I'm really blessed. I've got lovely parents, sister, husband, kids. And although the crisis is very distressing in that, you know, we can't really be with each other, being able to connect digitally, being, being mindful of that has been a really big deal. So I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the um, opportunity I have to look after myself. And I know it's not always that easy to do when you've got competing priorities or when your living conditions are really, really threatened. And we know that one of the biggest predictors of mental ill health is uh, taking a huge financial hit. So I'm very grateful for the comforts in my life. And um, I'm really grateful for the work that I can do. Just just for me, it helps to, to know that I can make a contribution just make a contribution that's it and I'm grateful for that and gratitude is a big deal isn't it Mark it just it just carries us through it's fantastic I think even just even walking on on the way up here this morning down a cycle path and you can hear the birds tweeting and all that stuff but it's a great leveler in terms of being thankful for being able to do that and being able to come up here and talk to you and and, and share this conversation with so many people Something I, I think is really important to acknowledge on that, it's possible to be grateful and in the grips of grief at the same time. It's not one or the other. You know, our hearts, if you like, have the capacity to hold both. And if we make a little bit of time for, for, for gratitude, that does counterbalance this, the sadness and the heaviness of grief. Because I think some people think, well, how can I be grateful with what's happened? It's just finding an opening. It's finding that mindset, isn't it? just having pockets of gratitude. And nature, that's another thing I want to say. I'm so grateful for nature. I'm really, um, I live in the countryside, uh, which I, in the past, would often complain about because I'm a bit of a city girl. But actually just being able to go for a walk in the fields and see the views in the trees, it's just so, it's so reassuring, isn't it? Something bigger than ourselves, so yeah. Absolutely. So where can people find you then, Chloe? Well, they can find me on Instagram at um, Dr. Chloe underscore Mitchell. Uh, they can find me um, on my website. I do have a monthly newsletter, which isn't just about grief. It's just looking at how we can build our mental health through kind of wholeness and um, self-care. So that's a free mental health newsletter I do. And my website is www.dr-chloe.com. You can find me on LinkedIn under my name. Um, on Twitter, Dr. Chloe Mitchell, and um, on, on your podcast. Yeah, and I will include uh, all of that in the show notes so people can check you out and, and have, have a look at your fantastic work. But um, yeah, Chloe, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for coming on today, sharing your um, experience with our listeners, and I know it's going to be a huge help. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for doing this. It's amazing. You take care. <laughs>